Hey guys, my name is Ian and welcome back to the AZ Sports Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more of the NBA. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about a few NBA teams in regards to their futures. I have three teams pulled up right here that I believe are some of the most intriguing teams to look out for in regards to their future. In when I'm going to be talking about each of these teams, we're going to be taking trips down memory lane and we're going to figure out how they got to this point and why I believe that these teams are very intriguing. And the first team that we're going to talk about is the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're going to take this back all the way down to the 2016 and 17 season. On April 20th, 2016, the Timberwolves hired Tom Thibodeau as their new head coach, who was formerly the head coach for the Chicago Bulls. This season, they had seen Kevin Garnett, their legend, retire from the NBA after 21 years. This season, they recorded a record of 31-51, and 51, and the future was looking very bright. They had Andrew Wiggins averaging 24 points a game, Zach Levine averaged 19 points a game, Carl Anthony Towns was emerging as one of the best centers in the NBA, averaging 25-12. and 12. They also had a player in Chris Dunn who they drafted in the 2016 draft, he didn't play very well that in his rookie season. But rookie point guards aren't supposed to do that well in their first season anyways. And Ricky Rubio always provided stable point guard play. And due to their record, they ended up with the 7th pick in the 2017 draft. And Minnesota figured that they should put all their chips in the middle of the table. They traded away their rookie point guard and Chris Dunn. They traded away Zach Levine. And they traded away the seventh overall pick to Chicago. And in return, they received Jimmy Butler and the 16th pick. The seventh pick, Chicago used it to select Arizona power forward Laurie Markin. The Minnesota drafted Creighton center Justin Patton with the 16th overall pick. And even with the trade of Jimmy Butler, they still had plenty of cap space to work with. Even after the fact that they traded away Ricky Rubio to Utah for a first round pick. They re-signed their small forward in Shabazz Muhammad, who was emerging as a solid bench piece for Minnesota. They brought in a new starting point guard in Jeff Teague. They brought him on a three-year deal worth $57 million. They brought in Taj Gibson on a two-year $28 million pact. And they also brought in Jamal Crawford to a two-year $9 million deal. And they also re-signed Wiggins on a five-year contract worth $148 million. When the season began... Obviously, with a bunch of new players coming in, they didn't start off looking the best, but they started to click very quickly after their 
first 10 games and they became an immediate threat to the Western Conference. Before the All-Star break, Jimmy Butler tore his meniscus and was ruled out for the rest of the regular season and was able to come back in the first round of the playoffs. Due to him missing multiple games, they fell from, at the All-Star break, they were the second seed. They dropped all the way back down to the eighth seed and almost got eliminated. On the last game of the season, they played the Denver Nuggets, who, which was a tiebreaker game. They were both 46-35, and 35, and Minnesota got the win in overtime. And at this point, they also brought in Derrick Rose to be their backup point guard after he was released from Utah after the three-team deal that brought in George Hill to Cleveland. And in the first round, they played the Houston Rockets, and they lost in a five-game series. After that season, Jimmy Butler grew very disgruntled, and he requested a trade. And after the first 10 games, Jimmy Butler finally got traded. He got traded to the Philadelphia 76ers in a trade where they brought in Dario Saric, Robert Covington, Jared Bayless, and a future second-round pick. As the season went on, it was apparent that this was a completely different team without Jimmy Butler. They brought in a young player in the 2018 draft in Josh Akogi who provided stability on the defensive end and was growing at the offensive end as well. After three months into the NBA season, into the 2018-2019 NBA season, they fired Tom Thibodeau and named Ryan Saunders their interim head coach. They ended off the season with a 36-46 and 46 record and were last in their division. Dario Saric, a trade piece that they brought in in the Jimmy Butler trade, was very inconsistent with his jump shot and his playmaking wasn't, wasn't as it was when he was in Philadelphia. Robert Covington continued to prove that he was one of the best 3 and D wings in the league. Jared Bayless didn't provide anything. He was a third-string point guard that barely played. Carl Anthony Towns looked like a beast throughout that whole season. Wiggins started to fall off a cliff a little bit when it came to his efficiency and his shot selection, which angered some Minnesota fans. They entered the 2019 offseason with plenty of aspirations, and they landed the 11th pick in the 2020. 2019 NBA draft. They were able to trade up with the Phoenix Suns from 11 to 6, and all they had to give up was the 11th pick and Dario Sarch. With that 6th pick, they selected the shooting guard from Texas Tech, Jarrett Culver. In that same draft, they also brought in the solid player in Jalen Noel from Washington, who provided backup point guard stability. In the 2019 free agency period, they tried desperately to grab their point guard of the future, and they were targeting Carl Anthony Towns' best friend, D'Angelo Russell. They came very close to signing him to a max contract before he was shipped off to Golden State in the side-in trade where Kevin Durant left Golden State for Brooklyn. 
Minnesota did get in on the sign and trade, and they were the third team that was in the trade. They brought in Travion Graham and Shabazz Napier, who just got traded to Golden State, and all they had to give up was draft rights to a 2006 player. They started off the season very nicely. They were looking like one of the top teams in the NBA, but it was apparent that they were. It was just a little hot streak, and they couldn't keep that going for the rest of the season. And Carl Anthony Towns got hurt, and in throughout the season, they were a part of many trades. On January sixteenth, twenty twenty, they traded away their point guard Jeff Teague and Travion Graham for Alan Crabb, who they eventually waived. Leading up to the deadline, they were a part of three more trades. They were a part of the monster four-team deal where they gave up Robert Covington. They gave him, they traded him to Houston. Clint Capello went to Atlanta. Uh, Shabazz Napier went to Denver and Minnesota, received Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, Evan Turner, and a 2020 first-round pick from Brooklyn. And on February 6th, they were a part of two more trades. They were finally able to bring in D'Angelo Russell, and they also brought in Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans from Golden State. And in return, Minnesota only had to give up Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 first-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick. And they were also a part of the three-team deal that brought Andre Iguodala to Miami. And they traded away Gorgie Dang to Memphis for James Johnson. Malik Beasley looked like he was becoming one of the better NBA players at this time when he was in Minnesota on the 10-game run. In his in the games that he played for Minnesota, he averaged 22 points. And Wancho Hernan Gomez was a solid bench piece that they were looking to re-sign. They're all, they were also looking to trade away Evan Turner or release him, but the suspension of the season uh, made them unable to release him. D'Angelo Russell looked good in the few games that he played for Minnesota, but he also got hurt, which caused him to miss the next few games leading up to the suspension of the season. In this season as well, Jarrett Culver proved to be almost like a Mikael Bridges in his rookie season in the sense that they weren't the offensive game wasn't translating to the NBA immediately but their defense was very solid and Jake Lehman who they brought in in the offseason in a sign and trade where they had to give up draft rights became a very solid bench scoring piece as well but none of this was able to top the fact that Leading up to the suspension of the season, they only won 19 games. They lost 45, and then, bam, the season got suspended. This is where they are at right now. Their roster includes players. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Josh Okoge, Wancho Ernan Gomez, Jarrett Culver, and Malik Beasley. And these were just the players that were worth mentioning. This 
is where I can stop and talk about their future. It's super interesting in the fact that they have their their star duo. They have their two cornerstones in D'Lo and Cat. They are both also on max contracts, which takes up most of their cap space. Combined with the fact that Jarrett Culver is making around $6 million, uh, James Johnson is expected to pick up his player option worth $17 million. And they have two restricted free agents in Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. All five of those players are going to take up a, a lot of cap space heading into next season. Combine that with the fact that they had the controversy with China and this whole coronavirus situation. The NBA has lost a lot of revenue, which is going to cause them to have to lower the salary cap for this offseason. If they do re-sign Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, I would expect Malik Beasley to get $15 million plus and Wancho to get around $10 million plus. If they do do those deals, they're going to be stuck in salary cap hell. And that's when Minnesota is really going to have to act with the sense of urgency that combined with the players that they're probably going to have to re-sign, the situation with their cap space, and the fact that they don't have picks next year. And they're going to have to pay up to the player that they select in the top seven. If they are slated to draft at that number three pick, it should be upwards of around $8 million annually. They have to act with a sense of urgency. If they don't start winning next season, you could very well expect this Minnesota team to break it all up and trade away Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And most of these players are set for the next few seasons, most of these guys are getting paid. Maybe other than Evan Turner, most of this team is going to be staying put for next season. So unless they make big trades to really upgrade this team depth-wise and maybe in the starting lineup, this team is going to be mediocre at best especially when most of these other teams that are going to have cap space and they're more than likely going to improve their roster. They stay put with this roster and they stay put with the head coach. They're, they're destined to have another under 500 season for next season. Now, if they do trash, you could very well see the two cornerstones being traded again and they have to go for a full restart. And that is why I think Minnesota is just such an intriguing team, just the fact that they have plenty of potential, especially with their duo and the core pieces that are around them. But they got to start winning in order to, for this duo to stay put in Minnesota, or you can very well see this duo going to Phoenix and teaming up with Devin Booker. The next team that we're going to talk about is the Atlanta Hawks. And we are going to go back to the 2017-2018 season. Dating back to the 2017 NBA draft, they had the 19th pick. With that pick, they selected a power forward from Wake Forest named John Collins. 
they had a 19th pick due to the fact that they still had players like Dwight Howard, who they brought in the year before, and they still had Paul Millsap. They instead wanted to break up the core, and this this is when they let Paul Millsap go in the offseason, and they traded away Dwight Howard and the 31st pick to Charlotte. In return in that trade, they got Miles Plumley, Marco Bellinelli, and the 41st pick in the 2017 draft. They used that 41st pick to select an Oregon shooting guard named Tyler Dorsey, who hasn't done much with his NBA career up to this point. In the offseason, they saw Paul Millsap leave and sign with the Denver Nuggets. They were a part of a three-team sign-and-trade where they brought brought in Jamal Crawford and also a player named Diamond Stone. You you guys probably don't know who he is. And a 2018 first-round pick via the Clippers. The Nuggets got a second-round pick from Atlanta, and the Clippers got... Danilo Gallinari, and they signed him to a three-year deal. They also brought in players like Dwayne Dedman to a two-year, $14 million deal to be their backup center, I was assuming. And they also brought in players like Quinn Cook and Luke Babbitt, who all didn't make much of an impact with the Atlanta Hawks. They also saw Tim Hardaway leave for the New York Knicks. They saw Tabo Cephalosha leave for the Utah Jazz, and it was clear at this point that they were looking at a full-scale rebuild. In the 2017-2018 season, they ended with a 24-58 record. They ended up last in their conference and in their division. This was also the last season where Mike Budenholzer was the coach for the Hawks, they would part ways with him after the season. Budenholzer left to become the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, and they have been very good ever since. John Collins provided athleticism and highlight real dunks for the Atlanta Hawks in his rookie season, which hyped up a lot of Atlanta Hawks fans and made Atlanta... Hawks fans believe that they were looking towards a bright future, especially with their upcoming draft pick. In the 2018 draft lottery, they ended up with the third pick in the draft. They were heavily tar- targeting a point guard, and his name is Trey Young. Instead of picking him at number three, they traded back with the Dallas Mavericks and Dallas picked up Luka Doncic with that third overall pick. The Atlanta Hawks received the fifth pick which became Trey Young and they also received a 2019 first round pick that which became I believe top five protected. And the Atlanta Hawks, with their remaining picks in the draft, they had the 19th pick and the 30th pick. The 19th pick, they selected a Maryland two-guard in Kevin Herter. 
and a Villanova power forward in Omari Spellman. They selected him with the 30th overall pick. For the rest of the offseason, they traded for Jeremy Lin from Brooklyn. All they had to give up was a second rounder and some draft rights, and they also brought in future second rounders along with Jeremy Lin. And they also trade. Well, with the selection of Trey Young, that meant that their point guard, Dennis Schroeder, was expendable. They traded away Schroeder and Timothy Luwawu Cabarro. No. No, no, no. <laughs> they were a part of a three team deal. They sent Dennis Schroeder to Oklahoma City. They sent Mike Muscala to Philadelphia, and Atlanta received Carmelo Anthony, Justin Anderson, and a 2022 protected first-round pick from Oklahoma City. Carmelo Anthony later got waived. They also brought in Vince Carter from Sacramento, and they also brought in a backup center in Alex Len from Phoenix. That season, Trey Young provided a lot more excitement with his shooting and his ball handling skills, and he created a nice duo with John Collins in the lob in the lobs when it came to lobs. This was their first year under Lloyd Pierce, who they hired on May eleventh, twenty eighteen, and they had a five game improvement. In the next season. And combined with the fact that they could possibly have two first round picks is very nice. They also had players on their roster outside of Trey Young and John Collins. Kevin Herter provided very great shooting at that shooting guard position. They also had some alright bench pieces in Dwayne Dedman. Uh, Justin Anderson. DeAndre Bembry was starting to make a name for himself in Atlanta. Alex Len was even starting to shoot threes for this team, and he was very and he, it seemed like he wasn't allowed to shoot three-pointers when in his time in Phoenix. So that was a very nice addition to his game. And Omari Spellman didn't provide too much, but Torian Prince was coming off his best season in this past season becoming a very solid 3 and D player for this Atlanta team. Now it became the 2019 NBA Draft Lottery. Their own first round pick landed at the 8th overall pick, and the pick that they got from Dallas conveyed for the 2019 draft, and they received the 10th overall pick. On June 6th, the Hawks agreed to also acquire the 17th pick in the draft. They traded with Brooklyn, where they received Alan Crabb, the 17th pick, and another future first-round pick, and Atlanta traded away Torian Prince and a 2020 second-round pick. Before the night of the draft, they also made a little small trade where they traded the 44th pick to Miami. And on the night of the draft, the Hawks agreed to trade the 8th pick the 17th pick, and the 35th pick 
to New Orleans in exchange for Solomon Hill, the fourth pick, the 57th pick, and a future second rounder. They, the Pelicans received that fourth pick in the trade for where they got rid of Anthony Davis. That was one of the, the fourth pick was one of the main pieces in that trade, and they were able to trade that away for more assets in this draft. With the fourth pick, Atlanta drafted a small forward from the University of Virginia in DeAndre Hunter. With that tenth pick that they got from Minnesota, they selected, not Minnesota, Dallas. They selected Cam Reddish, the small forward from Duke. And in the second round, they selected a center from the University of Maryland. His name was Bruno Fernando. And those three players were expected to become a big part of this Atlanta Hawks rotation due to the fact that they had not a lot of depth in those positions. Throughout the rest of the offseason, they made some small trades and some, and some small signings. On July 7th, they traded Solomon Hill, who they got in the trade-up with New Orleans. And they traded away Miles Plumlee in exchange for Chandler Parsons, who they eventually waived in the regular season. They also made another small trade where they traded away Omari Spellman, the player that they drafted the year prior, for Damian Jones and a 2026 for second-round pick from Golden State. And their best move was signing Jabari Parker from Washington. They re- they signed him to a two-year, $13 million year, and that second year was a player option for Jabari Parker. They also re-signed a player in Alex Len to a one-year deal, and they also brought back Vince Carter for his last season. Throughout the first few weeks of the 2019-2020 NBA season, Atlanta was not looking very good. So they made moves to upgrade their bench, where they acquired Jeff Teague from Minnesota. They also were part of the Big Four team deal that brought themselves Clint Capella. But he did not play any games for Atlanta in this after he got traded. He was traded while he was injured and was injured when the sus- the season got suspended. They also traded away Jabari Parker and Alex Len, and they brought back Dwayne Dedman from Sacramento, who at that time was disgruntled and wanted to be traded from Sacramento after signing a, a big three-year deal. Cam Reddish was not looking very good whatsoever at the beginning of the season as he got more opportunities and more more shots up he became more and more like a solid number two option Trey Young this season became a all-star starter averaging close to 27 points per game and he had plenty of assists to go along with it DeAndre Hunter was a player that was expected to play like how he did in this past season, just another solid 3 and D wing player. He doesn't have too much upside, but his 
his play style resembles a player like Robert Covington, where he just knows his job, is very smart with the game, and his job he does very, very well. And now that we're finished with what they have done leading up to the suspension of the season, we can now talk a little bit of their future. They ended up the season with a 20-47 and record, which is good enough for the 14th seed in the Eastern Conference. And they are expected to have another top 8 pick in this year's draft. Atlanta is very interesting in the sense that they already have one superstar, or a player that's on the verge of superstardom. Everybody else in my eyes is a question mark, and that includes a player like DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella. DeAndre Hunter may be questionable in the sense that he doesn't have too much upside to become that second star for Atlanta. And Clint Capella maybe plays a little bit too much inside for... It might be too much for a player like John Collins who likes to be a lob threat for Trey Young. And you can also look at the rest of this roster and everybody else's in question. Cam Reddish may become another Josh Jackson in the sense that not not in resemblance to their attitudes and their off-court stuff, but in the sense that they started off their seasons very, very badly. And once injuries started to pile up, and once he got more opportunities and more minutes, that was when Cam Reddish started to thrive. They had a player in Jeff Teague who provided nice backup point guard stability, but he may not come back after this season. John Collins is also in question with the fact that he doesn't provide too much floor spacing. He really likes to use his athleticism to his advantage down low where the bigs are at. Kevin Herter also is in question just due to the fact that he didn't make too much improvements in the rest of his game in this past season. He's always going to be a very solid three-point shooter, but he didn't provide too much else other than his shooting. In order for Atlanta to really make that next step, they're going to have to bring in another star. Like, a star that is already established in the league when it comes to their strengths. Maybe it could be a star scorer, a scoring star, maybe a defensive star. Maybe just that all-around player that they really need right next to Trey Young. Because right now, I'm I'm not necessarily sold on the fact that John Collins is their second star. And they also have plenty of picks that they could use to acquire a star player. And they have the assets to do so when it comes to their players. But they're probably going to have to trade away a bag in order to grab the star of the future. And some stars that I've thought of... And as a Suns fan, I would hate for this to happen, but they have the assets in order to trade for a player like Devin Booker. They have the assets to trade a, trade for a player like Bradley Beal. And uh, this is like dark horse and like more than likely 
not even in question, but they have assets and draft picks to trade for a player like Giannis. They just need that superstar player that can solidify their their future with Trey Young. This team is going to be built around him, and soon he's they're going to have to pay him a a nice big contract. So they have to. I want to say they have to act with a sense of urgency, but they have to start building around this team now. Not, they have to keep most of their core though, which is like another argument that fans can make is that they just have to build up their core. But some of their core, maybe a player like Cam Reddish is into Josh Jackson and is actually becoming a much better player in this league. He probably doesn't want to play that backup role, and probably not DeAndre Hunter either. He probably. He's already like a Robert Covington in the league. They're probably they shouldn't bench a player like that. But one of the two is probably going to have to be gone in order for the other to provide stability for this Atlanta Hawks team. And I'm going to be honest, I really do want this Atlanta Hawks core to stay put because I do believe that this is a a team to be reckoned with in the future, especially since they have another high draft pick coming in 2020. But I also do believe that in order for this team to take the next step, they also have to make a bold step to trade for another star that is established and can really bring the most out of Trey Young. And for this last team, I can't go through this podcast and not talk about the Phoenix Suns. And we are going to take this back to the 2018 offseason, where they were 21-61. and They landed the first overall pick. They hired a former assistant coach named Igor Kokoskov to a three-year deal. And that was when rumors started to heat up that they may be looking to draft Luka Doncic just because they both have a connection with the national team. Instead, they picked up the University of Arizona center named DeAndre Ayton. You guys probably know who he is. And they also had an extra first-round pick in a trade three years earlier where they traded away Goran Dragic to Miami. That became the 16th pick in the draft, and they could have had the 15th pick as well if the coin flip would have went in our favor because we also had had the Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick, and it would have conveyed that year if we didn't lose out on that coin flip, so we only had the 16th pick. With the 16th pick, we selected a shooting guard named Zaire Smith from Texas Tech. But we immediately traded him and an unprotected Miami Heat 2021 first-round pick to Philadelphia in exchange for the 10th pick. And that 10th pick became Mikhail Bridges from Villanova. 
And for the rest of the drafts, with their 31st pick, they selected Elia Kobo, who's a point guard from France. And the 59th pick, that became George King, who is a shooting guard from Colorado. In that draft, many analysts were expecting the Suns to maybe trade up to draft a point guard, and that's what I thought that they were going to do. But a player like Mikhail Bridges is another solid wing player that I have no arguments with. So at that point, many analysts thought that we were going to go after a point guard in in the free agency period. They had a player in Alex Len who became an unrestricted free agent, and they also have a player that they traded for at the deadline that previous season in Alfred Payton, who really wasn't that bad for the Suns. It may have just been his shooting that really made him leave this Phoenix Suns. Within the first few minutes of free agency, they agreed to a deal with Trevor Ariza on a one-year deal that was worth $15 million. And Ariza was considered their top free agent priority that season. They saw Alfred Payton leave to the New Orleans Pelicans on a one-year deal. And they also extended Devin Booker on a five-year maximum contract that was worth close to $158 million. They made trades where they traded away Dudley and a second-round pick in 2021 to Brooklyn in exchange for a power forward named Darrell Arthur, who we eventually waived. Not long after that trade, we sent uh, cash considerations that the cash was $1 million to Philly, and we traded for a backup center in Rashawn Holmes. Phoenix also saw Alex Len leave to the Atlanta Hawks on a two-year deal. And another player that they had on a two-way contract named Danwell House. And he signed a deal with Golden State. He got released by them. And then he signed with Houston and has always been a solid backup small forward for Houston ever since. They brought back a point guard that was hurt from the previous season named Isaiah Cannon. And... At that point, their only competent point guard was Brandon Knight. But they traded him and Marquise Chris to Houston, and they brought in Ryan Anderson and a rookie point guard named DeAnthony Melton. In order for that trade to work, Ryan Anderson had to take a pay cut on this next, on the upcoming season. He was expected to make close to 21 million he brought it down to 15 million they also released Davon Reed who was drafted in the 2017 draft and they replaced him with a veteran guard named Jamal Crawford who they signed on a 1 year minimum they agreed to buy out Tyson Chandler who was still on the 4 year 50 million dollar deal and they, uh, Tyson Chandler signed with the Los Angeles Lakers for the rest of the season. If you guys didn't know, about a week before that the 2018-2019 regular season occurred, they fired their general manager, Ryan McDonough, and they assigned Trevor Bukestein and James Jones 
to be co-interim general managers for the rest of the season. Trevor Ariza became very disgruntled after a very slow start with the team, and they agreed to trade him in a three-team deal with Washington and Memphis that would have brought Phoenix Austin Rivers, one of the Brooks, and some other player. I think his name was Anthony Morrow. I don't remember if he was still playing at the time, but it may have been him. And Ubre would have went to Memphis. That deal ended up falling apart after the Suns and Memphis Grizzlies couldn't agree to which Brooks say the Suns were going to receive. The Phoenix Suns wanted Dylan Brooks, and the Memphis Grizzlies wanted to, didn't want to give him up and wanted to trade him Marshawn Brooks. And now that I think about it, it was definitely not freaking Anthony Morrow <laughs> that I was thinking of. And the next day, Trevor Ariza did eventually end up going to Washington, and instead they traded for Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers, who Austin Rivers was waived the next day. Throughout the rest of the season, they signed multiple players to 10-day contracts and eventually signed them to the, for the rest of the season. One of those players that got signed for the rest of the season was Ray Spaulding, who was drafted in the 2018 draft and got released by the Dallas Mavericks. And they also signed a power forward named Emmanuel Terry to a 10-day contract, but they let that 10-day contract expire. At the deadline, they traded away Ryan Anderson to Miami in exchange for Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington was a very sought-after piece at the deadline just due to his three-point shooting. And they traded him to Phoenix, but Wayne Ellington got waived the next day. Tyler Johnson brought a little bit of stability at that point guard position, but it just wasn't good enough. On March 22nd, the Suns signed Jimmer Ferdet. you guys probably know who he is off of his crazy runs in China, to a partially guaranteed deal. And they ended off the season with a worse record than the season before at 19-63, and 63, but, though, but that season also included wins against a healthy Golden State Warriors team that had Steph, Clay, Dre, Katie, and DeMarcus Cousins. They also sweeped the season series versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And they defeated a LeBron-led Los Angeles Lakers team. At the end of the season, Igor Kokoskov was relieved of his coaching duties. And in a few days, or maybe it was a few weeks after, they hired... Uh, Monty Williams on a huge five-year deal. The Suns also gave James Jones a promotion and they made him the team's permanent general manager. And they also signed Jeff Bower, who was previously with the Detroit Pistons, and they hired him as a senior vice president of basketball operations. We had the same record as the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they used a coin flip to determine 
whether the Suns or the Cavs acquired the second best odds, and of course we lost that coin flip, so we ended up with the third best odds for the top selection. Phoenix fell from the third pick to the sixth pick in the draft lottery that saw the Lakers, who had the 11th best odds, jump to number four. They saw a jump where New Orleans went from, I believe, was eight. It was like somewhere between seven and nine. They went from one of those picks for, and they jumped to the number one pick in the draft, and Memphis also made a jump into the lottery, into the top four as well. And there was a lot of hype around this Phoenix Suns team just due to the fact that they're a lot more interesting targets now that they they had fallen back too far to the point where they couldn't get a player like an R.J. Barrett or a John Morant. They were heavily targeting a player named Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. They all were also looking at point guards like Darius Garland from Vanderbilt and Kobe White from North Carolina. And on draft night, they made plenty of trades that are still very questionable. Phoenix traded their 20-point-per-game score in TJ Warren, who just added a three-point shot to his game, and their second-round pick for cash considerations, which is objectively objectively one of the worst trades I've ever seen. And they also traded the 6th pick to Minnesota for Dario Saric in the 11th pick. And that 11th pick became Cam Johnson, who was a very good 3-point shooter from North Carolina. The Suns also agreed to trade a future first-round pick from Milwaukee in exchange for the 23rd, no, not the 23rd, the 24th pick, and Aaron Baines. That 24th pick became Ty Jerome, a point guard from Virginia. And the 2019 NBA free agency began, and immediately they signed Ricky Rubio to a three-year deal worth $51 million. They signed Frank Kaminsky to a two-year $10 million deal. They signed Sheikh Diallo to a two-year deal. And they also signed Ubre to a two-year deal worth $30 million. They were also a part of another trade to get rid of more cap space to make room for Ricky Rubio. They traded away Josh Jackson, DeAnthony Melton, and two second-round picks to Memphis for Kyle Korver and Javon Carter. Kyle Korver got waived immediately after the trade, and he signed with Milwaukee. The season began with a nice 124-95 win over the Sacramento Kings, who were expected to make a run at the 8th seed this past season. They're still in the running to make the 8th seed, but they were expected to be around 8 or 9 for this past season. And after that, Aiton got suspended tw for the next 25 games, and a lot of the players started to really step up for the next 10 or so games before they started to fall off a cliff. 
at the deadline, they didn't make any trades with the contracts that they have, so they eventually waived Tyler Johnson, and they're taking all dead money from him. They signed Jonah Bolden to a 10-day contract, but they eventually let him go after that 10-day contract, and Ubre ended up getting hurt on February 25th and was ruled out for the rest of the regular season due to a right meniscus tear. And leading up to the suspension of the season, they posted a 26-39 and record, which was good enough for 13th in the Western Conference. They are the only team out of these three teams that I've named that have made the 22-game restart that begins on July 30th. Now that we are finished of what they are what they have done leading up to the suspension of the season. Now we can talk a little bit more about their future. This team looked a lot better than they have in the past five or so seasons. Probably because they have a competent head coach now, and they have players that are experienced veterans, such as Aaron Baines, who had his best season as a Phoenix Sun. He became a very good three-point shooter for this team. They also had a bunch of players that made it seem like they were ready to win now, like Ricky Rubio and Darius Sarge. And Kaminsky started to play serviceable basketball for the Suns, so that's a positive. But within the last year, they've had so many missed opportunities to really make a, the roster that they have right now. It could have been much better than it is right now. And at the deadline, they've had plenty of missed opportunities that eventually saw Book's best friend and D'Lo leave to his other best friend. And now with that little little duo going in Minnesota, it's definitely scary. But they can't join for another. They all three of them can't join forces for another four years. Because I saw that there was some rule that they were that no team is allowed to have more than two players that are on their second contracts, but and are both on max contracts. They can't have more than three three players like that. So they they're gonna have to wait until Book becomes a free agent again in twenty twenty four to sign Devin Booker. But it is scary knowing that we probably only have a few more years before he does eventually turn on the Jets and leaves for another team. DeAndre Ayton looked very, very good. He just needs to be a lot more aggressive in the next few seasons because he has plenty of that, plenty of the talent, and he improved on the defensive end. All he needs to do is just be a little bit more aggressive on the scoring end. Now, kind of like Minnesota, Phoenix does have to act with a sense of urgency and they have to start upgrading this team. Luckily, they have quite a bit, not like too much cap space to sign a max player, but they have enough to sign serviceable players to deals. And 
they have to make the most out of that, and they have to do something with that first-round pick. I do believe that they have to target players that have a little bit more swagger to them. And from what I can tell from the general manager's point of view, it seems that he targets players that are intangibly good and can do all the little things for this team and can just play defense and shoot the three ball. That's who, that's the type of players that this team is targeting. But it comes to a point where you also need to have players that are spark plugs for this team. Kind of like Kelly Oubre, who just brings a whole another thing of swagger to this team. And the fact that they try to trade him really disappoints me in the Suns team. They have to have different elements to the team. They can't just have one type of player throughout the roster. And if they don't act with a sense of urgency, you could very well see Book ask out. Now, I think they're going to be a, be alright with having a player in DeAndre Ayton if they do trade away Devin Booker, but they that means they're going to have to rebuild again around another future star. So they really do have to make, I wouldn't say significant upgrades, but it would be nice if they made a significant upgrade, maybe trading for a star player. I kind of thought of some players and there was a player that in my mind's like I wouldn't think that it would be possible to do this or it would be a natural fit because it's not a natural fit at all and then like I see a Bleacher Report post about this and it kind of got me going again like can this actually work because this particular player has played point guard in his, in his times with other teams. And he hasn't played that in quite a while. But I also saw something saying that they want Devin Booker to be playing a little bit more point guard this upcoming season. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be too bad to have him at point guard. I will just prefer him at shooting guard. But the player that I'm talking about is Victor Oladipo. And it's not it's not a natural fit at all. And people really don't like that trade. And especially combined with the injury that he has been facing for more than a year now. It, it's definitely unnatural. But I do like the versatility that both players have they both have experience at the point guard positions and Victor Oladipo has defensive versatility, which a player like Devin Booker does not bring. The proposed trade that I saw was Rubio, Mikhail Bridges and a future first round pick. And I would assume that if you were to trade for a player like Oladipo, you would have to bring in more, but you could also there's a chance that you might only have to add in maybe like another future second-round pick and the deal is done, just due to the fact that Oladipo has that injury history now. 
and is coming off an injury that maybe should have been healed a few months ago, but he is not... His progressions when it comes to healing has been slow. You bring him to a new team where they could hand him out another extension. Um, Indiana has been disappointing Oladipo when it comes to contract extensions. And their latest offer included a money that would be less than the current contract that he's on right now. They offered a four-year $80 million deal. And his contract right now is four years, $85 million. And he took that as disrespectful and declined that. I think that it will be just a very intriguing fit. Now, obviously, I'm not expecting us to make any sort of trades like that, but I do expect this team to make upgrades when it comes to their forward positions and comes to their point guard positions. I think everything else is set and they, that they also have to re-sign Oubre to a longer deal because I do think that he deserves to be in Phoenix. And this is a guy that wants to be in Phoenix, so why not just keep him for the long run? And he already has rubbed off teammates in a very positive way. I think it would be worth keeping a guy like him. But like I said, you know, this team has to act a little bit quicker to really build around this team before Booker asks out. And even then, if he doesn't ask out, a duo of Aiton and Booker is a very nice duo to watch out for. And with that, that will conclude episode five of the AZ Sports Podcast. I really do hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And also, I created a an official Instagram account for this podcast. It's at the AZ Sports Podcast. And if you guys don't know, I'll be uploading every Saturday. So stay tuned for Saturday episodes, and I will see you in the next episode.